Welcome to the Red Robin Podcast Heritage Cast with me, Chris Johnson, and Joe Appleyard. Welcome to another Heritage episode of the Red Robin podcast. This week's guest is definitely a Hull Kingston Rovers legend who does not get enough credit for his loyalty and commitment to the Robins. He is, of course, Paul Psycho Fletcher. One of the most loyal clubmen the club has ever had and a huge fan's favourite, Fletch made his first team debut for the Robins against Bradford Northern at Craven Park on the 18th of April 1988. Fletcher's first team career spanned 17 years with the club, during which time he made 460. 64 appearances and scoring exactly 100 tries. This is the Red Robin podcast with Joe Appleyard, Chris Johnson and special guest Paul Fletcher. Paul, it's great to speak to you, mate. Thank you for coming on the show. I think the beauty of Rovers missing a few games due to COVID is we've got a few Heritage Cast lined up and you're definitely one of them. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. I hope you are well too. I am indeed. Chris, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, mate, I've had I've had scampi and chips with my tea tonight, mate, so I'm absolutely buzzing at the moment, but I'm a bit, bit full up. But uh, seriously, though, obviously, when we put out to people about the Heritage Cast, don't we, and then say, oh, would you like on? Obviously, Fletcher is one of the, the names that gets... You know, brought to our attention probably more than anyone. So hey. it's great we've finally got him on after a bit of toing and froing with dates and and what what have you. And like you say, it's a bit of a blessing in disguise these scapping fixtures because obviously we can bring a few extra heritage casts to the people. Yeah, we have, mate. And obviously we had to wait until payday to pay Paul to come on the show. So that's why <laughs> it took so long, guys. But we'll um, what we'll do, Fletch, is we'll go right back to the start, mate. So why don't you tell the podcast viewers? You growing up in East Hull as a Rovers fan, what was your first memories of rugby league and growing up in Hull? Well, I wasn't growing up in East Hull, I grew up in West Hull. Being, oh, really? Being a Rovers fan, yeah. I was wow. um, an Albert Avlad off um, Allenby Road there. But I was, I've always been a Rovers fan. Mum and Dad were both Hull fans, but I was a Rovers fan growing up, which was interesting, especially in 1980. What was your memories of that day, mate? Because obviously, me and Chris, young pups, we won't remember that 1982. Tell us your memories, because we've had a few people come on, Adge and stuff like that, who remember that famous day. But what were your memories? Were you in the old stand with your family? I didn't go, mate. I was, I was only 10. Mum and Dad went, they went on a, on a bus from the local pub, Utrecht Avenues. Um, they went with their, with their mates, all fans. But there was a, um, it was a mixed bus of, apparently, of Rovers fans and old fans. So the Rovers fans were all, you know, being cocky and always going to win on the way there. My mum said, oh, it'll be different on the way back when they get beat. But obviously it wasn't different on the way back. It would be an even worse one, which was superb. Hmm. Yeah, so what I did, I did, what I just made, made sure the house was all kitted out in red and white for when they got back. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Because, I mean, when we had Keith Pollard, I don't how his family was divided, you know, parents black and white, he was he was red and white, and you know, it was quite common across the city, wasn't it, to not just 
you know, support a different team to your mate, but actually families divided. And I think that's what, you know, people love about the derby, isn't it? It literally does split households. Yeah. Well, well when I was at school, um, a couple of my mates, well, the weren't mates at the time, but they came up to me and said, oh, do you support OFC or OKR? And I thought to myself that OKR sounded a lot brighter than OFC. It just sounded real dull, which, which I suppose, like, 50-odd years, well, 50 years later, it is dull. Hmm. But from then on, they said to me, right, you can be in our gang. So there was, I think there were three of us <laughs> in the school, Paisley Primary. I was only five years old. So that was that's how it started, really, being a Rovers fan. And it went from there. So obviously, you said you went to Paisley Primary. Did, did they have a rugby league team? When was your, when did you realise, you know, I not only support Rovers, but I wanted to play this sport? You know, I knew it was massive, wasn't it, in the 70s, 80s? I yeah. know it's died down a bit, participation levels due to obvious reasons. But back in them days, mate, every primary, secondary school had a competitive rugby team, especially in Hull. Yeah, we didn't at Paisley, but when I went to Eastfield, I left Paisley at nine year old, went to Eastfield. And um, they had one there. I was only, I'd have been 10 when I started playing with them. It was Richard Gay and um, his dad was coaching the school team. So they asked, asked me if I wanted to play, because I, I guess I was quite tall for my age. Um, we didn't have a bad team. We, we won the, I think was the first game ever at Craven Park was when I was 10 year old in one of the Wolf Spaven Curtain races. We won it two years running. So, um, yeah, I was scoring tries at Craven Park when I was 10, <laughs> which was a bonus. Um, yeah, so basically, Roy asked if I wanted to play for their team and I, I, I was 10, it was under 11, so I was playing a year, year above me. But that's how it started, really, at Eastfield. Um, from, from then on, the City Boys, Yorkshire and all that during the um, you know, school days. But was your club team, Fletch? Um, well, amateur. Yeah. Yeah, I played for Sidsmith Youth Club to start with, and then Eureka, Eureka Club. With, it was Johnny White, was Jim down off on now. Um, we basically moved from Sidsmith Youth Club and joined Eureka. Um, good set of lads down there. John Edo's lad, uh, Mike, he, he was um, Paul Hunter. I guess Eureka um, brought quite a few players so Paul King and people like that um, Andy last I think he was at Eureka as well I still meet up with them now and again for a, you know for a beer and go for walks with the dogs <laughs> would you believe <laughs> <laughs> saddled without flat caps on and walking sticks and that <laughs> I was going to say how times change obviously when you <laughs> played for Yorkshire and stuff you mentioned them names there who did you come up against obviously it would have been like Lancashire and stuff like that was the NEM famous players even at the ages of like 14, 15 who made it pro in the end like yourself um, let's think Alan Hunt was in my team at Yorkshire yeah. um, obviously no Alan Hunt and um, Lancashire the name that rings out I think is um, Dennis Betts and Ian Gilda Oliver Oliver Gilda his old man they were both playing for Wigan, I think, at the time. So, yeah, there was um, the main ones, I guess. I can't really remember anymore. It's been 38 years ago, mate. I don't, mm. remember, that. I don't remember last week. <laughs> I can't, can't remember what you had for your breakfast, never mind <laughs> that far. But how do you go from then playing at school rugby league, going club rugby at Eureka to joining Rovers Colts and, and, and making a break into, into the right Rovers side? It was funny because um, we, we once played Northern Darius um, John Edson was Rovers coach, coach at the time his lad was playing for Mike and I got sent off for some other 
in, in frustration, as it was, I kicked um, the doors in in the dressing rooms and stuff like that. <laughs> and um, John said he's never never going to play for one of my teams. And like three years later, I was captain of the Colts type thing. So, yeah, just asked me to go down with the Colts. I, I had LFC trying to get me to sign for their Colts. It was knocking on my door, but <laughs> told the fuck off, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, all my life, I just wanted to play for us. Just said to me, what, at school, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to play for OKR, which... Um, I did once or twice, which was a bonus. <laughs> yeah, you certainly did. We'll speak about your first team career soon. But going back to the Colts, obviously we have the reserve grade, but it stopped due to COVID. In your opinion, Fletch, how vital is it for clubs' development, especially when you see what Wigan have done over so many years and Saints bringing the academy lads and Rovers are trying to start to do that. But for you, the A-team reserves, Colts, whatever you want to call it, how important is it? And it's such a shame that we're missing out of it. Again, we had about five games last year. It got cancelled and now COVID suspended that as well. But in your opinion, that needs to come back because I remember I've seen the videos at East Park that you put on and stuff like that on YouTube and other people have. Them days used to get a thousand, few thousand people coming in. It was a massive part of the club. Yeah, they even, they even built that mound on, you know, on East Park for the fans to stand on. Mm. Uh, it was that popular at the time. Uh, yeah, it was that. That's the one thing that I think it misses. You know, the, the full the full game. It needs to start at the bottom again, and um, get the Colts in, get the or the amateur teams up to what fifteen, sixteen. Use them, go to the Colts, then then the A team. That's what they miss the A team, where it's the young kids um, playing alongside um, the older the older ones coming down. Like in my time, it was Phil Hogan and Andy Kelly. And, Dave Watkins and people like you know who was going back from injury. Mm. But you got to rub heads against you know internationals coming back from injury, playing for Wigan and and Warrington, Les Boyd and Co. You know you're 17 year old playing at Wildersport and getting back by Les Boyd. It's brilliant. You know you can't you can't beat that. And then you get the all you know the, you get Phil Logan's bringing you through and giving you advice and watching the one that it, you know it, it just helped you along along the way on the path, you know, upwards. Superb it was. I, yeah, I but and like Yeah, you mentioned then like you were seventeen playing against these established first teamers and these old blokes heading to retirement or just coming back from injury. Whereas now we expect kids seventeen, eighteen, they've never played um in like in a full contact match against adults and then they get shipped into play at Saints so we're on a Friday night and that just stunts the development and that's probably why when you eventually made your debut for Rovers against Bradford Northern, as it was then, in 1988, it wasn't much of a shock because you've been playing against them blokes for the past few years where the kids nowadays are get thrown in a bit of the deep end. You've got, you know, um, you're, you're a halfback, for example, you know, just getting chucked in at Wigan away. And it's like a rabbit in headlights and they have a bad game or, you know, do a few mistakes and, and then the fans get on the back and, it tends to be like that, doesn't it? And you don't hear from them again, which is a shame, really. Because there's like Liam Harris, for example, he had a great game at Wakefield, I think it was his debut. Great game there. Then, then the next game, he did a couple of errors and, you know, he'd get dropped down and you don't hear from him again. Now he's playing in a couple of what, league below or whatever. Still doing well, but, you know, he should have been at Rovers playing in the A team or whatever against the up and coming. Up and coming kids and and the older heads what coming back from injury and you know be, being dropped or whatever that's what makes them you know a proper player. Let's before we just mention your, your debut, 
just paint the picture of what it was like at the club at the time, because obviously we'd had some massive success in the 80s, you know, some some huge players, internationals, both, you know, British, Australian at the club, but the, the club was going sort of through a little bit of a, a, a tough time. What was it, what was the club like at that time and, and what was it like for a young kid like yourself coming through? It was it was great because obviously there was two there's two dressing rooms. You get changed in the in the away dressing room, where the first teamers get in the other one. You've got um, the likes of Watke and Chris Bert and that. And if you're ever dared to venture in there, you get told to you know, get you can fuck off out of here <laughs> until you get in, until you get invited in here, you don't come in here. And God forbid if you if you ever sat in you know one of their in one of their seats where they shouldn't do. Get, get chucked out by your ears, but like you say, it was started to go in downhill. One, I think what um, what Roger did, he tended to not bring the young players, so he, he kept on with the old heads until the old retired, tended to retire at the same time, and instead of bringing you know, the young kids to playing them, I think when we got relegated in well, the last game at the old Craven Park, when we got relegated, the next season was. Winning fifty odd points, and I think I played six games as sub that year because he, he bought all these players to try and get us straight back up. The Paul Bannets and your um, Colin Armstrongs, and you know, just to try and get us straight back up. They did well, right? But he, he could have bought the young kids through, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, when we um, we had Dave Bishop on as well a few weeks ago, mate, and he mentioned that transition and obviously his dealings with Roger Millwood. Obviously, he's a legend in OKRs and for us fans, we see everything that he did on the pitch and stuff. But for you, he was growing up, you know, eight years before you made your debut with just Caps and Rovers on the 10-5 victory. How was that for you when he was coaching you? Was it kind of a surreal moment and how did you find he dealt with you as a personal player? Well, yeah, it was, to, to be fair, because... Obviously, Edo was my coach for the for the um, the Colts, and then you've got Jed Dunn, and then then um, Roger had um, Johnny Moore helping him as well. So, you know, when Roger pulls you in to say that you're going to be playing in the first time, I think Mally Beale got he, he was it was between me and him. I was played, and um, I think give me the shot. Well, he obviously did give me the shot because I played, but um, you know, just to, for him to say that that he'd be playing was and he's going to make it different. What what what? What I dreamed of the, since I started playing. That's all I ever wanted to do was play for OKR. So, yeah, obviously, Roger, legend, and nobody ever take that away from him. It's one of them things, in it? And just to be there at the time and to play under him was just an honour, in it, really. So going on to your debut, then Fletch, obviously a, a memorable experience for you. Did, obviously, you, you said your mum and dad were black and whites. Were they were they there to watch you make your debut? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I, I doubt very much if there was. My mum might have been there. I don't think my dad went because he he always used to get too nervous. So um, a bit like me now watching Rovers. Um, <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> I don't think my mum might have been there at the time. But yeah. I can't really remember. It was. Well, she'll be pleased if she was, because obviously he scored a, a debut try. But how the fuck did you end up on the wing? Yeah, Steve Smith got injured, I think. So it was either me or Chris Burton to go on the wing. So, yeah, I was, I was a little bit faster than Chris Burton at the time. Um, yeah, I started off in the car. I think it was about 95 yards, wasn't it? So 9.5, are they? Oh, was it 9.5? 9.5. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it was a good dive that I did as well. So, and I had the um, it was on scrum down, and I had, I had my arrow, had the streaks and everything like that, which was in nineteen eighty six and nineteen eighty eight. That was it was in then. I watch it back on scrum down now. I talk about embarrassing, but you know, it's... like a young George Michael running under that six. No, but on a series though, I mean, obviously that was in '88. You mentioned the next few years you played not with little limited games, didn't you? As you developed, yeah. but what we've done your research on your stuff, you became a regular under George Fairbairn, '91, '92, and after reading up on all the forums when we put that you're coming on the show. Everyone remembers your fearsome second-row partnership with Andy Thompson. I'll openly admit, I, I, I didn't even know who he was, obviously, five years before I was even born, mate. So, for you, did you feel that second-row partnership? Because everyone seems to mention it and say how good it was, and that team's definitely did fear that. Was he a good mate on off the pitch as well as on? Yes, still is, Andy. I speak to him now and again. And, um, yeah. It was, it was a few, I think, about three or four years older than me. So, he'd been there and done that in the... Oh, it's the glory is the glory is you know the um, eighty five type type year yeah. when they won everything and so it, it just like me he had the experience of um, playing with like a broady I guess and um, Burton and all them players so he helped me along did did Andy it was great in defence you know he ran hard he was as you can see where like you say the comments he, he was a, a top player was Andy. He, he left too soon. I, I can't even think why he ended up leaving. I don't know if he had a, a spat with um, George or whatever, but he he left and retired too soon. He, he was a good player, was Andy? Was he an old lad? Yeah, yeah, he was. Off, yeah, um, God, I, I feel bad. I literally, I, I've I've done a bit of research, mate. Obviously, but just found out, so it's great to hear. Yeah, and I think they've done um, Garden Village. Oh, does he? Well, they they used to live on Garden Village. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he lives out in South Cave somewhere now. Is no. I think I think he plays with the Raras. Yeah, or is he one of them? Kick, kick and clap. clap. Yeah, yeah, kick and clap. But no, obviously, <laughs> when we are recording this, it'll be coming out on Saturday, and we are going to be putting out videos. Paul, obviously, we're recording this a few days before, and I think one video that just sums up the type of player you are was that '92 derby when you laid that shot on that old player. It's just it's one of the best videos. I forgot it on your YouTube page earlier. <laughs> Screen record it. For you, obviously, your whole lad, you mentioned growing up in Westall. We'll speak about the derby at Boothry Park and derbies that you've played in especially, but that 92 game, what was it like them days? Because the refs were a bit more lenient. I imagine it was a bit more dirty than it was now, but for oh, you playing in them derbies, what was it like, mate, for a whole, for a whole lad, you know, to be representing the east side of the city? To be fair, for even against the Colts, I, I also play a different kind of game against them. It, yeah. just, it was anything to win, you know. You wanted the bragging night, so you know, kick, punch, scratch, pull out, or anything. You know, just I couldn't give a fuck. To be fair, I, <laughs> you get a sent off. I don't give a monkeys. It was, mm. it was just um, part and parcel of playing against the black and whites. Because I, I can't stand them. I really can't. <laughs> but you'll probably know quite a few of them though, won't you? Because you'll have been probably on the same circuit, you know. So was the was it a friendly rivalry in terms of were some of them your mates, or was it just proper blood and thunder can't stand them? I can't stand them. It was um we had old to those in town as well, you know, now and again <laughs> and Peppies and all that. <laughs> yeah. I wish that had happened now, mate, with a few of their players. <laughs> Yeah, I, remember, I remember getting dragged off one of them in Peppers one night um, after he said something untoward to my wife. But 
I won't mention who it was, but yeah, they had to drag me off him. <laughs> no, that's the end. The last time anyone says anything to Barbara, then I <laughs> she does it. She'll do it herself now. Yeah, she'll, she'll I was going to say I don't think um, she needs you to fight her battles, mate. <laughs> but no, I mean, obviously I mentioned that punch there and that game at Boothbury Park. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was we was Hull going up? It was the last. It was when the franchise had happened, hadn't it? And it was the Sharks and Gates. Yeah, we had a couple of close, we'll say close games. I think they had to beat a bad corner all them, didn't they? They had a decent team then. Yeah, um, and we was big underdogs. I think they beat us twice already, and you know just to win it there on that that special occasion, playing at Bulfrey Park, and in the last minute as well, it was great. I think if you watch if you watch it at the end after the final whistle, there's me and Richard O'Brien walking up the pitch towards the old fans, sticking two fingers up to them and all, all stuff like that, <laughs> 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 giving them giving them the you know, giving one finger and black and white bastards. <laughs> No, I mean, we'll, we'll go back to that 92 season, uh, Fletch. And obviously, you know, you've just had Roger Millwood depart the club. And then probably not to make things easier, but you've got another Rovers legend coming in, George Fairbairn. You know, what do you think that sometimes there was um, clinging on to maybe sort of past glories a little bit about bringing in some of these names? Or, or do you think George Fairbairn really added to the club at the time? Yeah, I don't know, really. Um, I think he was the 18 coach, wasn't he? Then he then he got rid of John Edson for some reason. Um, I think it was because John wanted yes man, and I don't think George liked that. So he got rid of Edo. Edo was the, the man that brought all the the local lads, so your Mike Smith and his old chemists, your Gary Clarks and all that. And for some, just to get rid of him, like they did, was was shocking to be fair. So that was um, I think that was ninety one one ish when they got rid of Edo for some reason. But yeah. I think um, reading the papers and seeing how there was quite a few Aussie coaches' names because I, I know Colin Hutton likes his Aust- Australians and they had um, you know Stanton and all these Aussie, Aussie coaches named and the gun uh, named George Fairbairn. Um, but like you say, I, th- I think for too long they did they did keep it in in you know in house for the next coach where they should have had a, a fresh approach from elsewhere. I think. But to be fair, George did all right in his first season. I think um, our last three games were against Salford, Bradford and Overland. If we'd have won any of them, that team would have gone down. And in the end, I think Swinton went down. All three of them beat us. But we did all right. Other than that. What was the yeah. situation, Fletch, obviously when Fairburn was there in the 90s and stuff? was Did you have a job as well? Was anybody full-time at that point? I'm just trying to realise like, what year it was. I'm getting a bit like trying to realise. Was you working or training was, on a yeah, night? Yeah, I, I was working. I was full-time job. I was working for um, Ready Space, which is a part of Cabins with Elliot. Elliot, I yeah. know. Um, I was working for them because... Uh, when I joined them, it was Fred Warder was the chairman of the supporters club. He was my boss, and his boss was Ken Hardwick, who was one of the directors at Rovers. So they got me the job, really. I think Edo got me the job there. But um, there was all it was all working then. Yeah, it was. There was the odd player now and again what worked for the club, you know, working in the schools, but they didn't um, do the full time until two thousand and five, six, or whatever. Yeah. I think Andy Dannett might have come as full-time, but I think he still had a job um, doing whatever he did. But he had a, oh, he had a pub and he had Golden Compass, I think, on, on Greatfield. Yeah, a lot of them were landlords and stuff, weren't they, you know, down the yeah. years? been a few, aren't they? 
Could you do that, Chris? Graft your ass off all day and then go get told by George Fairbairn to go run like Dave Bishop did, like you mentioned on that podcast? <laughs> no, I mean that's it. And it's 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 crazy, isn't it? When when you think back, and and we see it now, even in you know in the in the championship and and division one, don't we? You know, some what players are expected to do, and, and then people have the audacity to moan at them sometimes for what they do produce is is crazy, isn't it? But I, I don't I don't think I'd have been uh, I don't think I'd have been able to do it, mate. I'll tell you no. something. Watching the championship um, last year and the year before, I, I preferred watching that to Super League most of the time. Because <laughs> when we know, was there, mate, when we was in the championship. Well, no, just watching it on Sky and whatever. Oh yeah. Know, over the last couple of years, but, you know, put some great rugby out. And I think Sky, there's a bit more honesty, isn't there? Yeah. There seems to be a bit more honesty about it, and just to see a bit more about. These lads just literally just want to play rugby. They're, they're it, not yeah. about, you know, a, a lot of the... I mean, and we've seen it We saw it when we played Huddersfield this season. We were Gaskell looking, doing swan dives and, you know, <laughs> this kind of, and it's starting to creep in into Super League a lot more. Whereas, like, you, I think you're right, mate, the Championship and, and uh, League One, you just seem to have a bit more honest rugby league players. Yeah, and I think it's refreshing. Well, playing rugby, don't they? That's, it's not, for them, not about the money, is it, for them? It's about playing rugby. Whereas obviously with Super League, it's there's a lot about the money in it. Unlike when I was playing. Yeah, just one thing I want to ask you about is because what we're really pleased about with these heritage casts is that we get fans on who have obviously been there in the 70s and 80s and even 60s and you know, a taste of glory were Rovers, and we get young kids on who were, who were all they remember is Super League era and and you know Justin Morgan, etc. But one thing that we like to ask the older players about is is the old Craven Park, and obviously you you got to experience the transition in going from old Craven Park to new Craven Park, and and if you look at the average crowds at that time, the one you want you know Rovers want pulling in massive crowds. You're looking at what four and a half thousand, etc. Yeah, yeah. What was that transition from from old to new like? I think um, at the time it was. Um... To start with, we didn't know where the ground was going to be, but we talked about it being on there and where Hazelwood Foods, you know, the bakeries on Leeds Road, it was going to be on there and it was going to be in town where the bus station is and um, share with them and stuff like that. But when it went there, I think they built it the wrong way around to start with, aren't they? The wind's running right through the middle. And so um, just to go from the old Craven Park with all its memories and uh, to, to the new to the new stadium, it was, it was different, you know. Craven, the old Craven Park was the middle of the you know the um, the street, the neighbourhood type thing. That was in the back of beyond, didn't it? If you know what I mean. Did you prefer the old one? Oh yeah, I think everybody. Yeah. Did. Every, I think everybody who you ask it went to the old one. Even the fans who said they preferred the old one. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird now because, like I said, I've never never saw it as anything apart from Morrison. So obviously, you look at photos <laughs> and stuff, but it did look like you know a bit more you know partisan art, you know atmosphere and stuff, and it looked like it was obviously middle of Aldenness Road, mate. That's I think yeah. I think why there. sorry, mate. Why we're going to love speaking about the good times? We are going to speak about the bad times soon in the administration. <laughs> what, you mean, what you mean, my career? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> bloody hell. I've got Love Island to watch in about 40 minutes, mate, so I haven't got time for that. We'll be here till midnight. I mean, I, I, miss, I, mean, I miss the um, the glory years of the 80s 
by a couple of years and I missed Super League by a couple of years and I got this shit in the middle, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> blame blame me. Yeah, blame me for that. Yeah, you mentioned the shit in the middle, mate. But one positive before we speak about all the administration, the RSG, everything about that, that you've obviously been a part of and seen on and off the pitch. I want to speak about Wembley 1997, mate. Obviously, I know it was the Silk Cup final. It was before the Challenge Cup final. But for you, representing the Robins at Wembley against Hunslet, I know it wasn't the main Challenge Cup, but lining up with Chris Charles, Rob Wilson, Stanley, who scored an hat-trick, Mike Fletcher with his famous kicking style. Mick Crane coming up against an unsuit team. Well, yeah, he was favourites, but for you, on that day, representing OKR at Wembley, that must have been a proud moment, mate, when you eventually won as well. I'll tell you what, unbelievable it was. Um, you get all these old fans saying, oh, it, was, it was only the um, Thomas the Tank Engine Cup and th- you know, that yeah. sort of thing. You know, the play at the, like a Frisbee, you know, whatever. But just to, to say you played at Wembley for, for OKR, it's, plus I scored two tries as well. It was... Um, Unbelievable, to be fair. I couldn't give a monkey's what it was. I played, I played at Wembley. You know, it, it could have been, I don't know, I don't know, the bottom of the league against the bottom of the league. I, I played at Wembley for OKR, which was one of the things that you always want to do. Well, funnily was, enough, Fletch, you're not the only one who's played at Wembley, isn't that right, Chris? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've played at Wembley, mate. Yeah. Not 11, at Wembley, 11, uh, that was for my work. Yeah, okay. managed to get in there with work. Yeah, so, but new Wembley, not old Wembley. Uh, but Joe, Joe doesn't like Joe likes to throw that in there every now and then. But, uh, but no, hey, I was, just getting I was, the ratings up, Chris. Yeah, but I was at Wembley for that game, Fletcher. It was amazing. But there was a bit of controversy, weren't there, in the build-up about where he was getting changed. And then obviously pre-game there was the bomb scare and yeah. people worried whether the game was going to get played. Yeah, before uh, the game we, we got changed in the dressing room, but after the game we had to get changed in Wembley Arena. Like port cabin was, um, we had to go to a different port cabin to get a shower. So we walked out naked, and then all the cheerleaders walked past, and we think, <laughs> and we couldn't get back. We couldn't get back, and we didn't have a seats. We got the after match meal was a, a pat lunch with a sandwich, bag of crisps, and an apple, and that was the after match meal from the rugby league. Um, we ended up standing at the top of the stand because there was no seats for us, uh, but at the, right at the top. But we had a good laugh afterwards. Um, when we went to the hotel, I, I was going to say it's a good job you won because if you if you'd have lost and you got that treatment, you'd have been probably quite bitter about it, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. To be fair, they didn't have a bad team, Unsler, and Unsler had beat Uddersfield, and Uddersfield had beaten all. So you know, all fans say it was a nothing game, but they'd been put out by the the team who beat all the team we beat, if you know what I mean. Yeah, their team. Is it Paul Manson in it? Is it? Yeah, I'm guessing the same one. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Manson was playing. And Brendan Hill, I remember him. Phil B, <laughs> who I used to commentate. He always says he's a classy halfback, but in Brendan Hill's body, I've seen a few photos <laughs> of him. <laughs> yeah. I've seen I've seen some footprints on there. I think it was Gavin Weston in the air team playing against Brendan Hill. He just ran straight over him and there was stud max right across his chest from where Brendan just going on running. <laughs> big, big unit was Brendan. <laughs> yeah, I've um, seen some photos, mate. And obviously, 97 was a massive year on the pitch for Rovers getting to Wembley. But it was also, you know, troubling times. And I remember when we got Adj on the podcast, he was heavily involved in the RSG. And I remember the um, the RSG tribute. There's um, Edward Klemkler, yourselves in there, Steve Crooks. Mm. When did you start to realise we might be in some shit here? And what was that like for you? As obviously growing up, you'd have been at the club what ten years by then. It must yeah. have been troubling times, mate. When you literally you didn't. I remember watching a video. You had no training gear. You didn't know when the next game was going to be. There was 
Tim will be. Just tell us, you know, go in a bit of detail. How was that like them years when it, there could have not been an Old Kingston Rovers today? It was um, it was scary right? because um, everybody was talking about mages and shit like that. And you didn't know what was going to happen. But was, first game of the season, we turned up. I think there was 12 players. We hadn't signed anybody. And over the next um, you know, pre-season, and 12 players first training session. Then we other players starting to come in and we set we signed them as we when we could because there was no money to sign them with. Um I think with my contracts, he used to offer me a contract and I, I used to say, yeah, go on, whatever. Uh, a thousand pound or what you know for the year, which was in the head of really, isn't it? I remember Steve Crooks, I think it must have been ninety five, maybe when off ninety four when Crooks first came. He said to me, I can for your contract, can you offer you a you also the club car, which was a an Enreg Rover four one four battered old car, what the Aussies had had for the last <laughs> ten years. I can either offer you that or a thousand pound. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll sign for both. And he said, I can't afford both. So I, so I signed for the car. I got a car for a year, and that was that's that was my contract in ninety four or ninety five, and I'd been player of the year the year before. But, you know, I signed for a thousand pound, basically because I was a Rover supporter. And then do, you think, do you think Fletch? Do you think Fletch at the time? You got know mate? No, sorry, mate. We're just quitting up a little bit. I was going to say, do you think they took you for granted a little bit? Yeah, I won't bother. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, there was there was a time when they offered us a contract, two or three thousand pound. They want a lot, and then they said we can give you another thousand pound from the. I think it was from Adjie's lot, the RSG. RSJ, whatever, RSJ, <laughs> the <laughs> supporters group. And um, I think there were three or four of us what, what agreed to this, you know, can give an extra thousand pounds. So Dave Harrison came up and said, look, I've only got three lots and there's four we on it. So I said, I'll give the other lads theirs and I, you know, I'll get mine later. And I think I ended up getting mine about five years later. Um, every year I said, oh yeah, I'll sign for that, but I want that thousand pound that you owe me, what you promised me. Oh yeah, we'll give you that. But the, 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 <laughs> Every year I didn't get it, so eventually I think Hood's give me out of his back pocket. Bless him. <laughs> but that's how it was then. There was no money whatsoever, in, in, and um, he had to take me out off to to Edward Plemka after we won at Wembley because he agreed to share the money between us. Uh, I think it was fifty grand we got between us, so that was our first mate, proper pay packet, you know, for a few years. But we were just happy to play at Wembley, basically. We played for now, I think. And looking back, and looking back now, Fletch, and it's probably it's harder when you're in the moment at the time. But how vital was the support that the RSG and people like had, you know, digging their hands in the pockets and organising fundraising stuff like they are still now? But how, yeah. how important was the fans back then in 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 probably not just raising money but also giving you players, you know, a bit of purpose and a bit of, and the support that was giving you? It was, um, I think if it hadn't been for them, I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if we had a forward if it hadn't been for them, because the, the fundraising that we did was, it was critical really at the time. Um, life-saving for the club, in my view. Adjunct Keith Lyons have got as much, you know, a legendary status as anybody in my view, because it was them at that time that, you know, 
they all the all the volunteering, you know, they didn't get paid for it or anything. But the, it was them, them two and, and their gang that kept the club afloat till the night and shining armor of Neil Udgell came along in my view. Do you remember the walk from East Park, mate? Yeah, I do, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was. I'm sure it was playing Swinton. Yeah, yeah, I remember <laughs> Adj talking about. I think there was, was it about twenty grand raised that day. Yeah, yeah, massive effort. Yeah. And I'll always remember the foot. The um, cheerleaders were Rufus, and Rufus looks like a serial killer from like America in the 1940s. That yeah, that, that was... costume, you know, it'd make anyone shit scared. That that photo just looks. We were so depleted, weren't we? And people, you know, the spirit of East, all yeah. the spirit. Oh, was that, everyone was that, sticking was that the together with the, with the big round head? Yes, that, that was Susan Hawks. That and um, her mascot was um, Lucy Cope. You, yes, that was it. Yeah, that's where I'd seen it. But yeah, that mascot literally, you know, give your kids nightmares. That so, if you ever <laughs> see that photo and you want a scary Halloween costume, do it. But <laughs> obviously, you mentioned the RSG and stuff, mate. Eventually, when we started to come out of administration into your final, say, five years of the club. That must have been such, you know, relief. But let's talk about your testimonial. Was that 1998? 98, yeah. So, obviously, the few years before, you got given a car that won't wear for grand. What was your <laughs> testimonial like? Because now, apart, obviously, with COVID, like when we had Adam, Adam Milner's, there was no fans there and they've had to pay on Facebook. What was that like? Because for you, that could have been a bit of a payday, but I'm guessing with the situation Rovers was in, it wasn't the best. <laughs> I know it was shit, mate. Yeah, um, it was shite. Um, I didn't, I didn't really want them because I didn't, didn't want to keep begging. I, I found it begging, you know. People, and with man, it, it just happened to be the same because there weren't that many fans. We were only getting just over a thousand a game, but it just tended to be the same people. So I didn't really want one. And um, a guy said to me, a local guy, I won't name him. He, um, he, he offered to do it for me, organise everything. And, it didn't really go too well. I think I made about, let's uh, think, I must have made about 10 grand, I think, which, um, which isn't a lot when you think about other yeah. people that have, that have been. But every do it seems to be the same old faces. So that's off to them guys. Who, they always turned out for me. Um, again, it was Adji's crew mainly. You know, they, they were supporters used to turn up and, but I, I had some strange, some strange events. Yeah, but what like? Um, pantomime. Went to the pantomime. We booked the full. We, we booked the full theatre, expecting to fill it. I think we sold about fifty tickets. So then the council wanted me to pay the full lot for the for the full theatre, and I made about fifty quid. So and they wanted the bill for some like three grand, <laughs> some <laughs> shit like that. And, um, those are Oldborough Caravan Park after a game, and luckily the away bus went. Otherwise, there'd have been nobody there. Uh, yeah, just we want it want the best, but yeah. you know it was experience, I guess. It gets me when you think of people who come over from Australia nowadays. For example, Ryan O'Hara, who sat in the stand for a year on more money than I'd have earned in my full career, including a, a testimonial, and he didn't play a game. Yeah, oh, that pisses you off a bit, but yeah. fair deals to him, I guess. I could have, I could have left for the money, but might not work. Might not have happened. I ended up in the A team and come back and play for Dockers or something like that. Um, I, I, I've got no regrets whatsoever, me. Yeah. Well, you mentioned there, Fletch, about you could have left. How serious were the offers, and and was you ever that close to leaving, or or was it just totally dis- dismissed? 
Um, I got offers from teams like Bradford. Brian Smith wanted me to sign for Bradford. I, I said no to, you know, Steve Cook said, Brian Smith wants you. I said, well, I've just signed for you. He said, well, it doesn't matter. You can sign for me. You know, obviously, step up to Super League. I said, well, I've just signed for you. And they ended up signing Steve McNamara, I think, instead. Um, all offered me a, a big payday. I think it was over 30, over 30 grand for the year. And I rang 110 and I said, you better get that contract to me. Because um, all have offered me a good deal. And he said, so he came on with a contract which I signed for Rovers. I think it was six and a half grand. <laughs> so, yeah, Keithley, when Keithley had the, the Cougar Mania, who was signing up some top players that they had talks with them. But, you know, just talk to them, see what they were, see what they were going to do. But, because them, them days, you didn't know if he was going to be playing. So, get your options open. But I was ne- I'd never left. Back, yeah, back when they kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was big changes going on in rugby league at that time as well, weren't they? Because it was the switch from from winter to su- summer rugby, and also there was Rovers. Uh, it's first time we played in Division Three, is it? I know it was only for a brief brief period. But how, how did you find the change from from winter to summer rugby? Well, I preferred winter. Well, I don't know really. I didn't like having cold hands in winter, but at least when we trained in winter, you know, pre-season, that we could um, wear gloves. Well, I could anyway. I preferred winter, I think. Um, there's too much going on in summer, isn't there? Um, people want to be in pubs. People want to go on holiday. Even the amateur game now, there's, there's not that many players, players playing. And the ones that do, do they want to turn up on a Saturday to play when they could be in the pub with their mates or go into... Ibiza with Joe Appleyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they should. Um, I think there's a queue at my door waiting to do that. Play. But um, I think it's so sad, isn't it? You know, when we mentioned them participation numbers earlier and the amount of amateur clubs, even when you mentioned when you was growing up, all them places, and you look at like Mysons, Fenners, yeah, yeah. like pubs had teams, you know, foreign and had teams and everything like that. Whereas now, I think there's about six clubs in all and yeah. Cottingham, all them little teams in like Hull and the district, they only have a certain amount of teams because if you're not from Skeller, Westall, Eastall for some majority now, I know it has gone downhill, but it's such a shame that a big rugby league city, there's no kids and, you know, with all the academy business yeah. that gone on, it's so sad to see, mate. I think when you look, at, like you say, about all the, the pubs and that, I think every major major industry had one as well, BRCM and, my, like you said, Mason's team, Ideal Standard, they all had pub teams and um, rugby teams, but a lot of them had A teams as well and third teams even. even. So just to see now that Dockers can barely muster up a, an A team, it, it, it's pretty sad, really. I went to watch Dockers and Cottingham the other day and um, I think... Dockers had 13 players and they borrowed a, a Cottingham lad as a, as a sub. So, you know, it's um, disappointing, really. Yeah. You're getting the boats back on, then? <laughs> is that, is that, was you making the big announcement on the podcast that you, you're back out retirement? I thought the big <laughs> announcement was that I was, I was pregnant or something. Um, <laughs> I thought more chance of me being pregnant. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, mate, obviously we're going to speak to you about the current Rovers in the past few years due to you being a fan, but we'll finish with your playing career and stuff. Your, your final game for Rovers was against Batley as a sub on the 5th of June. You ended up playing 464 games for the Robins, scoring exactly 100 tries. Not bad for a front or second row, mate. And also you was inducted into the greatest ever Hulk R13 a few years back, which must have been a great honour. But how was the last few years of your career and how did that, you know, end of your time at Old Kingston Rovers come about because I know there was big changes happening. It was the year they got um, it was the Northern Rail Cup final when we beat Castleford, which right. you wasn't involved in. But how was that for you, knowing that your career at OKR was coming to an end? It must have been tough because you've done it for 17 years. Yeah, I think um, the year before I left was, was Steve and I think I played every game. Well, I did play every game. And he used to say to me, as long as you're playing for me on a Sunday, I don't mind if you train or what, you know, just get treatment all day. Bit like Kenny Dalgleish. <laughs> but then Abby Howard comes in and um, is making me the way eight mile road runs around um, Eddon Road and that. And, you know, I, I was 35 year old, my back was knackered and it wasn't the best at the time. But I want my Phil Lowe, he asked me if I reckon, you know, would you have Abby Howard as a coach? And I said, oh, yeah, seems, seems decent to me. And in the end, it was him what finished me. <laughs> <laughs> Prick. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it's got everything's got to come to an end. You're a long time retired, so you, you carry on as long as you, you can. That's what I think that's the only reason I went to Sheffield because you don't want to retire there. It must have been hard for you, Joe, you know, when you went to because you didn't, you're still young, but mm. um, when you've got the that's all you've ever known, all you've ever done with your life is you know, played with played rugby with your mates and whatever. It's, it's an hard, hard thing to retire. But like you said, coming to the end of your career, um, I thought I could have carried on not playing, but hanging around or doing something other, but booted out on it on a Tuesday. <laughs> but, but kicked out at, at um, Ionian on a, on a Tuesday night before training. That's, um, it was funny because... How, how did that come about? Well, why was it sort of done so acrimoniously like that? What Was, was there a disagreement or...? Yeah, at the time... Harvey was told he had to get rid of um, three players, one of them being his mate Neil Harmon. Um, I can't think of the other two at the time. Might be Matt Blanchard and some, but anyway. Um, so with him knowing that I'm mates with Hudge, he decided to get rid of four when I was the fourth. I'd even text Hudge during the day saying, "Is it worth me going?" Because I didn't know who was going. Is it worth me going all the way to Ionia? And he said, "Oh yeah, no, no worries, um, no worries there." So. On the way back, driving back under the Umber Bridge with tears in my eyes, I texted Ud saying, thanks, mate. And he said, what? <laughs> I said, that was a wasted journey. And he was as gobsmacked as me, I think. He says he was. Um, and that was the end. Um, I wouldn't mind if we had an home game the next Sunday as well uh, against Rochdale. He could have said, Abby, he could have said, play that one last game, say thanks to the fans. Um, tell them that you're retiring, which I've happily done. But you know, they kicked me out after eight, 17, 18 years. I don't think he made the Sunday anyway. I think he got sacked or suspended on the Thursday. I was going to say, do, do, do you think, was there any effort by Hudge after that to to try and re- you know reverse the decision? Or or do you think that was maybe a final nail in the coffin for, for yeah. Abby? Uh, I think uh, Abby, Abby was doing dodgy stuff well you know I can't say what but 
he wasn't being professional, so I think that's why Udge suspended him. But I, I think it was Udge left it to whoever was the coach. And I think it brought James Webster. Remember when James Webster felt not so? No, it's um, not up to the chairman, is it? Though it's up to the coach. But he should have stole his car, mate, and left him with that shitty rover. <laughs> <laughs> was he the one who was fishing a summer? Was that um, was a fishing, like a fishing trip or something? When we was, it was like coaching, but it was on a fishing trip or something. Or being stupid. Could well, could well have been. I don't know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story about a club car. I once um, part of my contract was a club car. Um, I ended up getting an agent, and he, he did all right for me. He got me a club car, and. I got a, a phone call from Dixon's, Dixon's Motors, as it was then, where Motor Depot is on Cameron Street. You need to bring your car in because sort the airbag out. So I went and um, he said, are you, you going to clear it out then? I said, why? I'm going home there. I mean, it's, you know, we're taking it off yet. Rovers haven't paid the bill. So I, I had to get a bus home with the, with the um, push chair, two kids, um, from Clarence Street because um, <laughs> Rovers haven't paid the bill for, for my club car. <laughs> <laughs> they took it off me. They took it off me saying that they were going to fix the airbag just to get it there. <laughs> Dodgy bastards. <laughs> yeah, yeah anyway, so yeah. obviously you, you leave Rovers, Fletch, you know, obviously emotional about it, and then you, you, you turn up at Sheffield. Was it an easy deal to make? And, and what was your motivation like after being at Rovers for so long and, and then going on, pulling on the Eagles shirt? Was it the same feeling or was it a little bit different for you? I think it was um, it was funny because one of the games we played was I think was against well two of the games we played in was against Rovers and um, I actually played against Rovers against Bakari and things like that and um, I brought me the ankle in one of the pre-season games um, so after that it didn't come it didn't go well the the break so I was out for the full season more or less so it was a waste of time really. Waste of money. It cost me more money to, to play from than I got from them, and having to travel and that. So it was one of it was one of them where it was a long time retired. I wish I'd have said no, but this, they asked me what did, what would it take to to get it to um, Don Valley, and I just said what same as what I was getting from Rovers, which was about two grand for the year. <laughs> so it, 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 it cost me more money than I got from Sheffield to to travel to train and whatever. But no, I just can't, I can't believe the money, Fletch. Like, I thought I was on shite money when we was a scholar. <laughs> and so, but literally, for the time he was there at the club, Chris, I, you know, the money people are on now, and you mentioned people like Ryan O'Hara who play, didn't even play, was on big money. And yeah, yeah. we've had plenty of them, Chris, haven't we? And it's such a shame to hear someone like Paul who gives so much for the club, who literally did it technically for free. It might as well have been. I think that's, well, what, yeah, yeah. that's one of the reasons I played so many games, I think, because if we didn't play, we didn't get paid. And yeah, we, uh, and I remember when Phil Lowe came in and said we went from 400 quid a win, 100 quid a loss, to I think it was 200 quid a win, nothing a loss. So at times, we was playing basically for nothing because we won't get yeah. paid for losing. So I'm <laughs> guessing that was playing with injuries as well, then Fletch. Oh, most of the time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what are, what are the long term problems on the on the back of that then? Um, I've had um. Re- re- Showed the reconstruction a few weeks ago, but and that could be wear and tear. Uh, well, a few weeks, sorry, a few months ago. Um, I've had back discs removed on my back. Other than that, I've just ached like a bastard. <laughs> I, I, I get up every day now as if it was a Monday after a game, <laughs> trying to walk. But 
to be fair, I, I didn't do bad for injuries during my career, apart from that last said the break at um, Sheffield. I think there was 13 seasons where I missed four games in 13 seasons, one full suspension, two full injury, and I got rested in one. So, so I didn't do bad. Yeah, not a bad injury. record. Yeah, yeah, not too yeah, bad. Yeah, good. Mate. So obviously that was in Sheffield 2005. Then your career comes to an end. Back being a Rovers fan, and the year after, obviously that was when the Morgan years started. And how was it for you? Because it must have been bittersweet seeing Rovers go up in 2006. You mentioned Neil, a good friend of yours who took over as chairman, signing the likes of Scotty Morell, Ben Kane. But then you should have, like, you know, you was at Rovers the year before. It would have been such a shame. And I think me, Chris, and the rest of the Rovers fan base would love to have seen you play in Super League. But for you as a fan, when we got promoted, that must have been a great feeling because you built the platform. You'd been there when it was shit. You'd got to Wembley, you'd played all that dreams, you'd built the foundations and finally Rovers were back in the big time. It must have been a great feeling for you, but a bit bittersweet, mate. Well, it was a good day, right? Because obviously I was at Sheffield, I was a water boy at Sheffield and they played in their, their final, you know, for the, the league below the same yeah. day. So we, we, Sheffield won that one, then Rovers went and beat Widnes. So that was, you know, that was superb. And we, there was about, I think there was quite a few old lads in the Sheffield team and we all went back to... And platform one for the celebrations with the Rovers lads. So, you know, we we all had a, a good crack with them. Um, yeah, there was, we all had our Sheffield t-shirts on in platform one with the Rovers lads. So, yeah. But like you say, bittersweet. 2005, the, the cup final at Blackpool, I went as a fan. Bittersweet again. Um, a few fans on the pitch at the end and... You know, it's, you think I should really be that could have been down there or could have been in the dugout. You know, maybe not being picked, but I'd have been involved in it all. Just didn't happen, did it? But oh. <sighs> bastards. <laughs> how long? I mean, seriously, Fletch. How long did it sort of take you to, or, or you might still feel it now, but to sort of lose that, you know, that little bit of I don't know. I suppose the way it's bitterness, but you know that or. Uh, you know, towards the club about how, how it all ended. How long did it take to, for that to sort of go? Or, or is it something you're still carrying now? Well, there was a there was a bit for a bit, for a bit, a bit for a bit, for for a while. But I'm a Rovers fan, aren't I? It's up to them. It's don't a lot really. Some when when it got rid of Arby, it, it just should, I think it should. They made me a life member and. Stuff like that, which which was a bonus. Um, I've always been a Rovers supporter. I always will be a Rovers supporter. I've, I've followed them all over the world, literally. You know, to France, um, Toronto. I went to Toronto to see them, and um, I always will do. I think with a bit of luck, if we're allowed. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's such a tough one, and it Fletch, like you mentioned, and I know we always have a joke, Chris, and stuff about you know you're going to Wembley and me mentioning that I played and stuff, but. For you, Fletcher, you played so many games, you must have felt like even me, I never got to the first team, but I'm still so, you know, bittersweet sometimes. But I think we're both being Rovers fans, it kind of takes the edge off, doesn't it? And you still yeah. want the lads to do well. I always remember when man was just before they got relegated the million pound game when we had a, the contract negotiations and the money was shite with Peacock and I always remember saying what about if we get relegated is the contract there he was like we won't get relegated and obviously when that happened I, I do not mean this in the slightest but at the time you were a bit like oh you know I told you so but then you yeah. realised man and it's the most devastating thing in the world but seeing the guys now we move to 2021 
Obviously, with Neil stepping aside, we know he's still involved in the club. Paul Lake, you know, you'll know as well. Yeah. Things seem to be changing a little bit, mate. And we always say on the regular podcast, we get excited. We've had some great victories recently over Wigan. We're still not world beaters. We're sitting six at this moment when we do the podcast to you. But I think the past six years or so, seven, eight years have kind of been, you know, papering over the cracks that the club has been declining. But I feel now with Tony, Danny, Mags, as a fan, mate, how do you feel Rovers are doing at the minute? Because for me and Chris, we've started doing this podcast and we've actually started playing some decent rugby. So it's um, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit positive at the moment. <laughs> carry on, lad, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> I think when, when you look at, obviously, we got beat against Saints. Um, two quick trials. We held our own until George got... Um, Simbins, and then they scored another couple. Other than that, you know, was in the game. Catalan Golden Point, um, as per usual against us, we lose it. Um, I think the most disappointing ones Wakefield, I think. Yeah, shite one. <laughs> yeah, if we, if we'd have beat Wakefield, we'd have been above the black and whites probably. But uh, I know it's it's little consolation trying to be above them, but they see themselves as a top club, don't they? Um, a top team, a top club. They buy all the get all the stars, you know, you know the all the Terminators from Australia, and it's great to see them when they, when they're shite. And our team of nobodies in above them, it, it'd be great, you know. Just it's a stepping stone isn't it, to um, to great things, in my view. I think um, the players have, they've got in, it seems like they want to play rugby rather than be here for an holiday. But like the olden days, when you got your proms and your broad S and Gordon Smiths. They came to play rugby, and since then, a lot of them come come for a payday, don't they? A final payday, a bit of an holiday. But these lads look like they, they want to play for the club, which has always been a bonus, isn't it? Especially with the young kids coming through as well. A lot of impressive ones. Yeah, it's just a shame it's been played out in the backdrop of COVID and everything else, because you're just worried about where they're going to fit all the fixtures in, aren't we, for this season and how it's going to pan out, but... I think most Rovers fans will be delighted at just the, the brand of rugby, the style of rugby and the honesty that's coming from the players because I think the players genuinely look like the players to be playing at Elkington Rovers and I think for a number of years we've had a lot of players who seem to be here for, as passengers and, and happy to pick up the paycheck and, and you know, here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing. Um, and I think the players, the group we've got at the moment and I think a lot of that comes down to Tony Smith and, and Kenny Dowell, how they've managed to to really bring the group together. But it's exciting times. I just wish, you know, more people could get into Craven Park to watch it and, and we was playing more games at the moment because we're sat twiddling our thumbs at the moment. Yeah, it's um, shite, isn't it, really? I ain't been, I ain't been will be over a year now since I went to watch them because I've been, the, last, the games that we've had this season where we could get in, I've been working. I've been on shift, so um, me young and Bailey, young Bailey's been um, to the games, but... It's like a saying, I'm yet to go, which is disappointing, really, because I want to see these the players play. The Kenny Dowels and the Tagarakis and whatever, you want to see them, don't you? Yeah, well, fingers crossed, mate. You know, we might end up even coming through this little spell in our games, being in an actual better position because of the points percentage and all that shit. Still can't get my head around it that we could be in a better position by not playing than by playing, but. You know, hopefully we've we've got games on the horizon, and, and the big one is is the derby. Um, you know, it's all in front of us. But before we wrap up, Fletcher, I just wanted to ask you about your, your involvement with the Ex Players Association and 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 how important that has been, and 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 how important you think it is that you know that work continues. Yeah, it's um, 
there's something for Joe to join, to be fair, because he's an ex-player, in my view. <laughs> um, every year we have different things, um, fundraising, golf days, um, piss-ups, away, um, you know, away games and whatever. Um, the, the things they do for the clubs is, is great because they, they pay for T-shirts for the young kids and for the girls. I think they're sponsoring the girls this year, you know, getting them some stuff. So it's invaluable, I think. It's just a shame that more of the higher-profile high ex-players, you know, also don't want to get involved, but you know, just that interested. But um, you know, we have some good nights, we have some good days, meeting up with players you haven't seen for a long time. I mean, you know, you turn up and people like Zilkema and Des and you know, getting pissed up, Mike Fletcher and Wayne and and the like. And then there's the older ones, um, you know, from before my time, or all turn up, repeat Murphy's and co. It's um it's a good thing. Oh, but what well, about ex players? Can I just say I don't know if anybody's mentioned Jed Dunn, who's um very badly at the moment. Um, just best wishes to him. He's a great he's a great guy. He's Jed. So um, sad sad news about Jed. Yeah, he's my old uh, PE teacher. Yeah, great yeah. I caught up with him in uh, Toulouse about a couple of years ago now, and. Um, you know, you speak to him like, you know, I probably haven't seen him for 15 years, 16 years, and he speaks to you like you, you've just come out of the changing rooms. <laughs> I mean, you know, absolute great guy, hard as nails, uh, but he do do anything. So, yeah, he's, you know, best he's, wishes. He's doing it hard at the moment, real, real bad. So, yeah, best wishes to Jed. Yeah, definitely, mate. And from me and Chris as well on the Red Robin podcast and everyone involved. But, um, yeah, it's been great to speak to you, Paul. You know, I've really loved it, mate. And you mentioned that, um, golf days. I'm absolutely shite at golf, but I'd definitely be up for them piss-ups or away days. I can be candy if you want to play golf. Even, even the golf days, mate, you just go and sit in the, nan, well, the 19th or the halfway house where there's yeah. a couple of cases of beer and cheer the lads on as they go around. It's, you know, it's, it's good crap, mate. Yeah, yeah I thought boy. I was going to say, Joe, can be the caddy. The caddy, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, definitely, mate. But finally, mate, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Before we finish, what was your favourite moment in a Hulkingston Rovers shirt? Any time we beat Hull. Definitely. Great answer, mate. We will finish on that. But um, thank you for coming, mate. We really appreciate it and um, wish you all the best for the future. And hopefully we'll see you at some games if you're not on nights. And you guys, I hope it goes well for you with this um, the old podcast and we hope we keep winning while you're doing it. And yeah. Joe, Joe, enjoy um, Love Island tonight, mate. Thanks, mate. I think there's a recoupling, so I'm shaking in my boots now because uh, <laughs> it's three minutes past nine as we talk. Oh, no, mate, yeah. I definitely will do. Hurry up, hurry up. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Paul. So, guys, that was a Heritage cast with fans' favourite, Paul Fletcher, who played 464 times, racking up a total salary of £2,000. We've (laughs) mentioned how good Paul was there, his stories about the Rover, the car, everything about playing Hull FC and everything else. It's been a great episode, Chris. I've really enjoyed it. Stay tuned, guys. We'll be back next week. Rovers are going to be playing Warrington, hopefully, due to COVID, if that gets cleared. So we'll be back with another normal podcast and maybe another heritage. But from me, Joe Appleyard, Chris Johnson and Paul Fletcher, this has been the Red Robin podcast. Thanks, guys. Rally around the Robins. Rally around the Robins. (laughs) 